Good morning. Good morning. Um, welcome to Calvary Chapel Ibukuni. Always it is uh, great to be here with you all uh, to worship the Lord. Glad to see that the rain did not keep you guys from coming and uh, gathering in fellowship and gathering to worship the Lord. Well, it has been a few weeks since we were last in our verse-by-verse study of the Gospel of Luke. We took a break in order to look at Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and then we took time to remember and celebrate His resurrection on Easter Sunday. But today, we get back to our study where we last left off. If you recall, last time we were in our study, we had finished chapter 10 by looking at the example of Mary and Martha in a study that I entitled, The Best Part. And we looked at Mary, the worshiper, and Martha, the worker. And we noted while both are important, we, both, we need to be both worshipers and uh, servants of the Lord. The best part was the part that Mary had chosen, to sit at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him and listening to his every word. Well, today we will continue our study by taking a look at the beginning of chapter 11 in a message that I have entitled Prayer 101. Okay, Prayer 101. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and open them up to the 11th chapter of Luke's Gospel. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, feel free to reach down uh, some of the chairs around you, borrow one of ours. We do think it's important that you're able to follow along in the text as we go through. Uh, And then once you are there in Luke chapter 11, I want to invite you all to rise to your feet in honor of the Lord and his word. I'm going to read the entirety of our text, and then I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer, asking his continued presence and blessings upon our time. And so follow along in your Bible as I read from mine. Luke writes the following in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer for when then and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this opportunity to sit, to hear through your word, to hear from your spirit as he leads and guides us in all truth. And Lord, I pray that our hearts, our minds, our ears would be open, that they would be attentive to all your spirit desires to say to us and all that you desire to do in and through us today. Lord, we uh, do praise you. We do thank you that your word tells us that you will complete the work that you began in us. Lord, that you won't leave us undone. And so, Lord, we come this morning asking that you'd continue that work, that you'd mold us and shape us just a little bit more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask that you do that work uh, in us today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. As we continue to make our way through the Luke's Gospel account, we are brought to chapter 11, and Jesus is teaching on the topic of prayer. Now, this isn't the first time that Jesus has taught on the topic of prayer. In his famous Sermon on the Mount, recorded for us in Matthew's Gospels, chapter 5, 6, and 7, in chapter 6, Jesus also laid out what we commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer. This account here in Luke is different from Matthew's account. The setting and scenario in which Jesus shared these words are different. In Matthew's account, Jesus shared his teaching on prayer during his circuit ministry in the region of Galilee. Seeing the multitudes gathered around him, Jesus went up on a mountain and he taught a large group of his disciples on a number of different topics, including murder and adultery and divorce and retaliation and love and giving and fasting and judging and the ways of the kingdom. And of course, he taught them on prayer. Here in Luke's account, Jesus is with a much smaller group of people and he shares this teaching on prayer in response to a request made by one of his disciples, an unnamed disciple. We don't know which one. Could have been one of the 12 disciples, uh, perhaps even one of the 70 disciples that he had recently sent out and they had come back to him. This teaching on prayer was given about a year and a half to two years after the teaching on prayer in the book of Matthew. The account in Matthew is actually longer than the account in Luke. The wording is a little bit different as well, but the main points are still the same. And I kind of like the fact that when Jesus was asked to teach his disciples to pray, that he reiterated the same message that he had given previously, but he made it shorter and he made it simpler this go around. You know, sometimes I think we have it all wrong when it comes to prayer. And we can sometimes think that our prayers have to be, you know, super long and and filled with a whole lot of fancy you know, Christianese, you know, we start, you know, if we pray in the King James and we bring in some thousand these when we're praying, you know, that's really going to make a difference, you know, and that's what God's looking for, um, that, you know, our prayers have to be elaborate and, and complex, okay? That isn't something that we see from Jesus, okay? He gave the same basic model to his disciples, and, and when he shared it a second time, he made it shorter, and he made it simpler, God isn't impressed with our many words or our ability to wax eloquently. He just wants us to come and to speak to him sincerely and, and simply and, and genuinely. 
And what we have before us in our text is a wonderful lesson on prayer. Okay? This morning we are the students. And Jesus is our instructor. And we're going to sit in on one of Jesus' classes on prayer. Prayer 101, if you will. Okay? And as we get into Jesus' teaching on prayer, we're going to note a number of things that stand out. For those of you who like to take notes or outline our text, I've decided to break our text down into five small sections. And with each section, we'll make a point or two. One of them, we're going to make a lot of points, uh, but bear with me, okay? The first section is found in verse 1, and it deals with the priority of prayer, okay? The priority of prayer. Take a look at our opening verse once again. It's verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, When he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples, referring to John the Baptist. Jesus is one who led by example. And the example that he left regarding prayer was one that stood out amongst his disciples. Jesus prayed often. Throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus was a man of prayer. He was one that made prayer a priority in his life. In Luke's gospel alone, we have seen over and over again Jesus setting aside time to pray and to seek his heavenly Father. Luke records for us in Luke 5.16 how Jesus himself often withdrew into the wilderness and he prayed. At his baptism, he prayed, Luke 3.21. Before choosing the twelve, Jesus spent the entire night in prayer, Luke 6, 12. Before Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ, Jesus prayed, Luke 9, 18. Upon the Mount of Transfiguration, he prayed, Luke 9, 29. Jesus prayed for Peter's faith when he told Peter about how Satan had asked for him and desired to sift him as wheat in Luke 23. Verse 32, even upon the cross of Calvary, as he was being crucified for the sins of all of humanity, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. As we consider the prayer life of Jesus and the constant intercession and communication with the Father, it ought to make us realize just how important prayer ought to be to us. If our Lord and Savior, the very Son of God, found it necessary to constantly be in prayer, to constantly commune with the Father, to hear from Him, to speak to Him, to wait upon Him, how much more do we need to be doing the same? You see, Jesus' own need for prayer only serves to show and teach us how much more we need prayer. Prayer needs to be a priority in our life. We need to be in constant communication with the Lord. And and that's why Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica how we need to be praying without ceasing. And why he wrote to the church in Ephesus to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. He wrote to the church in Colossae to continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Praying always, it really is a mindset that we have to develop. It carries the idea of just constantly being mindful and aware of God's presence and in His working in our lives. It's the idea of just having a constant ongoing conversation with the Lord in your heart, in your mind, throughout the day. 
It does not mean that we have to stop what we are doing and spend hours on end meditating and seeking the Lord. Okay, we don't have to go up into the mountains and, and you know, cut ourselves off from the rest of society and the world and pray always. No, that's not what that means. Okay? It's the idea of simply acknowledging he's with you everywhere you go and in everything that you do acknowledging him and communing with him throughout the day. As you go through your day, you know, things happen. And you just say, oh, praise the Lord. Thanks, God, for doing that. Or, hey, Lord, I really need you in this situation. And you're just mindful of his presence throughout the day. Praying always, it means that our line of communication must always be open to the Lord. Throughout our day, we can be in an attitude of prayer, of just being open to the Lord, listening for him to speak. Jesus prayed often and it stirred within his followers a desire to learn to pray as Jesus prayed. And I find it quite significant that of all the things the disciples could have asked Jesus a lesson upon, that it was a lesson upon prayer that they desired most of all. Do you realize that nowhere else in the scriptures do we read of Jesus' disciples specifically coming to him and asking him to teach them to do anything else? None of them asked Jesus to teach them how to heal the sick. None of them asked Jesus to teach them how to cast out demons. None asked Jesus to teach them how to preach and teach with authority. None of them came and asked Jesus to teach them how to do any of the miraculous works that he performed. Instead, they came to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray. And may I suggest to you, that the reason the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray was because they understood that the power to do all of those other things came through Jesus' own prayer life. It's like the old adage, give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and feed him for life. Perhaps the disciples knew that if they could learn to pray like Jesus, that all of those other things would come as a result of their own intimate prayer life with the Father. They saw a connection between Jesus' own prayer life and his ability to do all of the other things, and it stirred in them a desire to learn to pray as Jesus prayed, that they may be used of the Father as Jesus was used of the Father. Well, let's read Jesus' response to this request in verses 2 through 4 where he gives to his disciples a pattern for prayer. Okay, a pattern for prayer. Follow along. So he said to them, Jesus says this, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This portion of scripture is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. But in reality, this is more a pattern for prayer for Jesus' disciples. This isn't something that Jesus would actually ever pray uh, because he never sinned. And so he would never need to pray for the forgiveness of sins. Instead of calling this the Lord's Prayer, maybe we should be calling it more like the model prayer or, or the disciples' prayer, okay? But tradition has labeled it as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but what we call it really isn't all that important. What is important is the lesson that Jesus was giving when he shared it. Jesus is giving to his disciples a pattern of prayer. 
Jesus did not intend for his disciples to memorize these exact words and to pray them over and over again as some may think. Okay? We know this because when he first gave these instructions to the multitudes during his Sermon on the Mount, he specifically said, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words okay jesus wasn't saying okay this is this is how you need to pray pray it just like this and pray it over and over again that is not what he's saying he gives us that instruction the first time he shares this teaching in matthew see jesus didn't give this as a a recipe for prayer as if to say you know follow these words exactly as i say them and all of your prayers will turn out great but it is a pattern Uh, for what our prayer life should look like in general. And and so let's break this pattern of prayer down and see what we can glean from Jesus' instruction here. We're going to note a number of things, but we're going to note them quite quickly. And so if you are a note taker, get ready. The prayer starts out, Our Father. And immediately we notice that our prayer is based upon a personal relationship. He's not the Father. He's not a Father. He's our Father. He knows us, and we know Him. Pray to Him accordingly, and be yourself. Communicate to Him like you would any other person that you respect and admire and you have a relationship with. The prayer continues in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Our prayer must have the right address. It's in heaven. God is not our earthly father. He is our heavenly father. He's in heaven, which means that nothing is impossible for him. And we ought to remember that when we go to our father in prayer. He is our father in heaven, and he is more than able. Nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is beyond him. He is our father in heaven, okay? He is God almighty, okay? Nothing is too hard for him. Jesus continued saying, hallowed be your name. The term hallowed, it simply means to be holy. And when we say hallowed be your name, we're speaking not just of the name of God, but the very nature of God. God is holy. And when we pray, we ought to remember to praise and worship the Lord. God is holy and he's worthy of our praise. And we shouldn't be so quick to get to our needs and miss out on an opportunity to worship and to praise him for the holy and awesome and loving God that he is. That ought to be an intricate part of our prayer life. Praise him and worship. The pattern continues. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. From worship, our prayers can then focus on purpose. What is the purpose of prayer? Prayer is not some magical way to get what we want, as if God was some genie in a bottle, and we're just going to rub this lamp or whatever, and and he's going to grant us all of our wishes. Prayer isn't about having our will done, but it's about having the Lord's will be done. Prayer ought to be a time where we look to know, to see, and to experience God's will, not our own. Give us day by day our daily bread. 
after we've spent some time worshiping and praising the Lord and requesting and seeking after his will, we can then move on to our own personal requests. You see, it's okay for us to pray in to God and ask for personal things, personal requests. In fact, according to this pattern that Jesus gives us, it's something that God wants to hear from us day by day. Daily, we are to bring our requests before him. And we ask God to give us just enough for each day. Not too much, okay, where we would become perhaps apathetic or, or lethargic in our prayer life, okay, where we would say, oh, if God just gave us everything all at once, we'd be like, okay, well, I don't need anything else from you, Lord, so I got it, I don't, thanks. And we just kind of like, see you later, right? We don't want to get to that point. But he doesn't give us too little to where we may give up or we become despondent. We ask him for just enough for each day and we come back to him on a daily basis. God, give us what we need this day. Okay. The pattern continues. And forgive us our sins. Prayer involves confession. Confession is an important aspect of prayer in our communication with the Lord. We confess our sins, our weaknesses, our shortcomings, our failures, and then we seek God's forgiveness and his grace to see us through. Jesus continues stating, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. You see, not only do we need to ask for God's forgiveness, but we also must be willing to forgive those who have wronged us. And you know, you guys, this is something that I think is often overlooked in our prayer life. We usually don't think about offering forgiveness to others when we pray. But it is an essential part of a healthy spiritual prayer life. Jesus taught us, actually, about the necessity of us to forgive others. He said this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, after giving the teaching on uh, this model prayer, this pattern for prayer uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, we cannot expect God to forgive us all our sins and the wrongs that we've done against Him if we are not willing to forgive others their sins and the wrongs that they've done against us. The person who has truly experienced God's forgiveness in its totality Okay, ought to instinctively have a readiness to forgive others. When we've been forgiven such a debt, okay, a debt far greater than we could ever pay, and when we understand and comprehend the magnitude of the debt that we've been forgiven, it ought to lead us in extending that same forgiveness towards others. Lastly, Jesus wraps up this pattern by addressing temptation. And he states, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to set the record straight real fast. God does not tempt us. James chapter 1 verse 13 specifically states, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. This, this part of the pattern Jesus gives us is instructing us to ask God to protect us from temptation. Temptation comes from the devil, from our own sinful desires. And we need to ask God to protect us from the evil one, to protect us from sin, from our own evil hearts. Okay? Now, looking over this pattern, we see that our prayer life can involve a number of different things. 
there are a number of pieces to the pattern. And I almost kind of picture it kind of like a quilt. Okay, You can have a quilt and you can have a lot of different patterns, a lot of different pieces, and you can arrange them and rearrange them in different ways. And you can make you know, maybe a, a placemat or you can make a really big blanket or you can make a, a lot of different things. You have different pieces and there's a pattern that you follow. You put it together. You see, it's important to remember that the Lord did not give us this prayer as a template for all of our prayers. It's not as if he's saying that we need to address each and every one of these items every time we pray. It's simply a pattern, an example of how we can pray. You see, sometimes our prayers will be longer. Sometimes they will be shorter. You know, God save me, God help me is a God-honoring prayer. Okay? And it could be said in, in mere seconds. Okay? And, and there might be other times where we spend you know, 20, 30 minutes just praying and interceding for loved ones in our, in our life, for our family, for our friends, for our community, our coworkers. And we're just you know, interceding. It, it could be long. It could be short. It can have all of these things. It can have some of these things. Okay? It's, it's, it's not an all or nothing. It doesn't have to fit all these things, guys. But in general, it's a pattern. The idea is that our prayer life as a whole would include all of these things in some form or fashion. Well, let's move on to our next section where Jesus shares a parable about a reluctant neighbor and we learn about the importance of persistence in prayer. Let's read verses 5 through 8. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Here, Jesus shares a story about a man who had an unexpected friend come to visit him late at night and the man didn't have any food to share with his visiting friend. And so he goes to his neighbor and he asks the neighbor to lend him some bread that he may feed his visiting friend. The neighbor, however, is reluctant to assist. You see, it is late. He's already churned in for the night and he doesn't want to be bothered with having to get up. And we get the sense that this neighbor had only one single bed for his entire family. And so to get up and assist his neighbor would not only be bothersome to him personally, but would probably upset the rest of the family that's already sleeping. And though the neighbor initially declines to assist his friend in need, he eventually does so because of the persistence of his neighbor. He realizes that the only way To get rid of this guy and get back to sleep is to acquiesce to his request and lend him some bread. Now, this parable is teaching us of the importance of being persistent in prayer. However, it is not trying to paint a picture of the Lord being a reluctant answerer of prayers that only answers us so that we will leave him alone. Okay, Please do not get that idea or that picture. Okay, Do not think that at all. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. What Jesus is doing here, and we'll do again later on in our text, is he is arguing from the lesser to the greater. Okay, If a reluctant 
tired and cranky neighbor is willing to get up in the middle of the night, disturb his family's sleep, and answer the request of his friend in need because he was persistent, because he kept on knocking on the door and kept on saying, I need some help, buddy, come on. I need. I got this guy that came and visited. I can't have anything to give him. Listen, if that man is willing to get up and give to him, how much more will our Heavenly Father answer us in our time of need? Okay? You see, our Heavenly Father loves to bless us as His children. And He never sleeps or slumbers. He's never too tired to answer our prayer requests. He never grows weary of hearing from us. In fact, He invites us to boldly come before His throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Well, some of you may be thinking, well, if God is so eager to answer our prayers, why are we exhorted to be persistent in prayer? Why doesn't he just answer our prayers the first time? Good question. Let me suggest two possibilities for you. One reason we need to persist in prayer is because it helps us determine that which is important to us. We can be quick to throw up a prayer for something without much thought or consideration to whether or not what we're truly asking for is what is best for us. We may pray for one thing one day and then three days later pray for the exact opposite thing. We can be all over the place sometimes with our prayer requests. You know, for those of you who have little ones, you could probably easily relate. You see, when birthdays are coming around the corner or when Christmas is coming up at first, Maybe your kids aren't like this, but my kids at least. Uh, at first, they talk about wanting a million different things. I want this, and I want this, and I want this, right? And it's, it's like, oh my, write it down, okay? Give me a list. You're not going to get everything on the list, but just give me a list, okay? But if your kids are like my kids, you'll know that the closer and closer it gets to the actual day, they usually start to hone in on those things that are most important to them, those things that they truly want more than any of the other things that are on their list. They usually come and think, this is what I really want. I've got this big list, but please, I really want these things, right? You see, we can be like our kids sometimes in our prayer life. We can ask for one thing and then a few days later ask for something completely different. You see, being persistent allows us the opportunity to really hone in on which that which is truly important to us. It allows us to hone in on what really is my greatest priority, Lord. This is what I really need you to 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 answer, to move in. And another reason, second, and maybe the most important reason of all for why we need to be persistent in prayer is that the Father simply enjoys being with us and hearing from us. John Corson, a favorite commentator and Bible teacher of mine, he wrote this in his commentary. I want to read it to you. He states, If God gave us what we asked for the first time every time, he knows us well enough to know we would just grab the goods and run. The fact that we must come to him repeatedly helps us see that. In the end, it was his fellowship that we craved all along. You see, our greatest need is the Lord. We need more of the Lord in our life. And developing a persistent prayer life, it brings us regularly into the presence of the Lord and allows us to enjoy sweet fellowship and intimate communion with Him. 
being persistent in prayer, it allows us to come to the realization that it is more of the Lord that we truly need, more than any of the other things that we may ask for. Well, let's continue our study to our next section. It's a short one, only two verses, and it deals with some promises for prayer. Read verses 9 and 10. It says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. In these two verses, Jesus gives to us some promises regarding prayer. That if we ask, we will receive. If we seek, we will find. That if we knock, it will be opened to us. Now the thing that's very important for us to understand is the verb tense in these verbs being used. Asks, seeks, and knocks are all written in the present active participles, which carries the idea of asking, seeking, and knocking, not just a one-time event. The disciple asked Jesus to teach them to pray, and Jesus emphasizes here the idea that we need to keep on asking, and we need to keep on seeking, and we need to keep on knocking, okay? The sense is that asking, seeking, and knocking, it needs to become a, a habitual lifestyle in our walk with the Lord. You know, there are those out there that I've encountered before that would try to suggest to you and to me that praying for something more than once is a sign of a lack of faith. Or perhaps that it is an indicator of someone with weak faith. That we should just pray once and then trust God to do whatever he's going to do in that situation. I, I have a serious problem with such an idea and notion. Okay? And I would suggest to you all that that mindset is actually unbiblical and it is an unhealthy approach to prayer. Such thinking often leads us to a place where we begin to doubt the Lord our, and we begin to doubt our faith. We end up thinking, I must not have enough faith to get my prayers answered. You know, I, I prayed and nothing happened. And so, you know, it must be God doesn't care or God can't do anything in this situation for me. That isn't what prayer is at all. And, and I want to give just exhibit A and B. Exhibit A, Paul the Apostle. <laughs> Paul the Apostle prayed over and over for the same thing. In 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks about how he was given a thorn in the flesh. And he writes, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches in needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul th prayed three times that God would remove this thorn in his flesh, but ultimately God said no. And he revealed a greater plan for Paul's life, which he gladly received. Exhibit B, okay? Jesus Christ himself prayed over and over for the same thing. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed three separate times about the same exact thing, saying this, really the same thing to the Father each time. In Matthew's Gospel, his first prayer was, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
He prays that prayer. He comes back to his groups of disciples. You know what he finds? They're sleeping, right? And he kind of rebukes them and says, hey, could you not pray? You know, come on, we need to pray. And so Jesus goes out a second time and his second prayer was, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Pretty much the same prayer, okay, a second time. He goes back, he finds the disciples sleeping again. And then we're told in verse 44, after finding the disciples asleep once again, so he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Are we to believe that Paul the Apostle and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ were people who lacked faith or who were weak in the faith because they prayed multiple times over the same thing? Of course not, right? That is ridiculous to think so. What a foolish thing to even suggest. We need to keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking, praying for things over and over again while ultimately trusting in God's will and his plan. Remember that prayer isn't about getting our will done on earth, but our Father's will done. As we continue to ask, as we continue to seek and continue to knock, what we are actually doing is taking an active role in determining God's will for our life. We do sense even a progression, even in the wording here. We ask what God's will is for our lives, and when we don't get a clear answer, we start to seek out what God's will is for our lives, exploring different ideas, actively praying, actively seeking it out. And then, you know, maybe a few doors, a few different options open up or present themselves, okay, after seeking things out. And we're then to continue to knock on those doors to see which one opens for us. Praying this way causes us to take an active role in asking for and seeking after God's will, which is really one of the main purposes of prayer, to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. I do not believe okay, that you know you should just pray one time and then just leave it up to God. Okay? That's a passive prayer life. Okay? I believe God wants to develop in us an active prayer life where we continually ask and seek and knock that we might take an active role in determining God's will for our life. Jesus promises us here that if we continue to ask, we will receive an answer. It may not be the answer that we are wanting, but God will answer. We must remember that a no is an answer, okay? And not yet is, in fact, an answer. As we continually ask, we will receive an answer from the Lord. Jesus promises if we continue to seek that we will find. God will lead us to the right place and show us that which seems hidden from us. Jesus promises if we continue to knock that the doors will be open to us, that his ways will be made clear to us, and we will, all, we will know the direction in which we should go. Jesus is described as the one who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens in the book of Revelation. God will open and close doors as we continue to knock. And when God presents an open door before us, we can be confident that his spirit is leading and guiding the way. Well. Let's take a look at our final section in the final three verses of our text and we'll wrap up our study this morning. Let's read verses 11 through 13 as we look at an important principle of prayer. Okay, an principle of prayer. 
Verse 11 says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here, once again, Jesus is arguing from a lesser point to a greater point. If we as human earthly fathers who are by nature sinful and evil know how to give good gifts, how much more our Father in heaven. You see, an earthly father wouldn't give his kids stones when they asked for bread or a serpent instead of a fish or a scorpion instead of an egg. Earthly fathers won't give things to their children that are useless or harmful or what's not best for them. How much more, our Heavenly Father? God won't give us things that are useless. He isn't going to answer prayers that are no good, okay, or that are no benefit to us. God won't give us things that are going to end up being harmful to us. He's not going to give us things that could potentially hurt us. And herein lies a principle about prayer that I believe Jesus is trying to teach us here. Psalm 84:11 states, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalm 34 teaches us that those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 states, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Philippians 4.19 affirms, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Looking at all of these truths and promises from the scriptures, we can safely conclude that if that which we want or that which we have prayed for does not come to fruition, we must conclude it is not good for us. At least not at this time. Because our Father will do what is best. He will give to us what is best. He will not withhold that which is good from us. And that is the principle that we see here. If we pray for something and we feel like God says no, or he says not yet, we can safely conclude that God has something better in mind, that he has a better plan, one that will be for our best. God desires what is best for us. And that means sometimes he'll say no. And that means sometimes he'll say, not yet. And we need to trust that when God does answer our prayers that way, when God does say no, or God says not yet, it is because he has something better in mind for us. Remember what Isaiah the prophet teaches us about God and his thoughts and his ways. Isaiah declares of the Lord, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen, church family, the Father will always give what is best for us, and that is evidenced in his giving of the Holy Spirit to all who ask. See, the gift of God's Holy Spirit given to us is the greatest gift He could give. He gave, gives the Holy Spirit to us at salvation. 
And so if our Heavenly Father was willing to give us the Holy Spirit, how much more will He be willing to give us other things? Things that will help us, things that will benefit us, things that will draw us close to Him and lead us to accomplishing His will here on earth. And we can trust in God to give us the very best. You know why? Because He's already given to us His very best. He has given us His Son. And He has given to us His Holy Spirit. And God will only give us things that are for our good and for our benefit, for our growth in the Lord. And we can be confident of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And we give you praise for this lesson on prayer. And Lord, just how you have laid out a pattern for us, Lord. And you've just exampled in your own life just how important, how much prayer needs to be a priority for us. Lord, I do ask that you would develop and strengthen our prayer life, that we would find ourselves coming to you daily and and just being in constant prayer, in constant communication with you, listening for you, uh, speaking to you, being mindful of your presence with us. Lord, I do pray that we would be persistent in our prayers. Lord, that we would remember the promises that you give us, that if we would keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking, Lord, that that we will receive, Lord, that we will find, and Lord, that you will open a door. Lord, I pray that we would understand this principle of prayer. Lord, that when you do answer and you say no or you say not yet, it's because you have something better in store for us. You are a good God, our Heavenly Father. You know how to give good gifts. You've given us the greatest gifts in your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit. Lord, how much more will you be willing to give us you know, other things that will help us to grow in you, to mature in you, Lord, that we might know and understand and walk in your will. And so, Lord, I pray that you just continue to develop our own prayer life. Lord, I think we all acknowledge that uh, we fall short in this area and we need more of you and so Lord may you stir in us a hunger for you for that fellowship for that communion that intimacy that we can find through prayer lead and guide us we ask in Jesus name